Good evening, Patriots. And it's Monday, July 17th in the year 2023. Just giving some reflection tonight a lot on abiding. As we discussed some last night, we're going to dig into that a little bit today. It's been an interesting day, especially after my experience over the weekend, which we'll recap and kind of go over. But abiding, it's a process that God really does mature us in, and especially as we walk that path and lean into him, we find that there's a there's a solidness in walking with him. As I wouldn't call it joy. I think we overrate. You know, I shouldn't say overrate, but we so often place things in this place of joyful, joyful, and and it is, but it's contentment, I think, is the better way of saying it when we're there in that place. One thing right now to be absolutely clear on is that we have a lot going on in our world, and that world is not getting any easier. It's getting more complicated day by day. And as it does, we have a lot of things we have to contend with. And one of those is the polluting of our environments, which they love to do. Oh, my goodness. These people are nuts. So I really got turned on uh, to this air cleansing unit, which is called EnviroCleanse. It's an EK Pure unit by EnviroCleanse. Really super happy with it. It's running right now in the background. You can't even hear it. It makes such a difference in the room in the air quality. It uses an industrial-grade HEPA filter and a mineral filter system that they patented. And it was selected by the Department of Defense to cleanse the air in ships. And it'll take out pretty much everything that you might think it would take out, which would be things like viruses, allergens, chemicals, odors, you know, and I would assume that it will even affect some mold stuff because you're dealing with a HEPA filter. So really good. And so I would check it out. It's 100% American-made. If you head on over to ekpure.com, ekpure.com, use your BARDS code, B-A-R-D-S. You're going to get 10% off, and you'll get a free air quality filter with it. It really does make a difference. And they're nice, low-profile units. They have variable speeds. You can circulate the air many different times. A lot of science behind the whole principle of what they do. And I know that since I put it into the studio, it's made a huge difference. So I'd really encourage you to check it out. You're not going to be disappointed. Great units, great company. EKPure.com, promo code is BARDS. Abiding, it's a really interesting term. I think that where we begin tonight is Proverbs 14, 12. And what we look at here is the statement, there is a way which seems right to a man and appears straight before him, but its end is the way of death. That's everything counter to abiding. That's when we're sitting here in ourselves and we're walking and making the decision to do things and we feel it's right. And so I kind of told you that story over the weekend and we kind of had this amazing encounter. It was They're great people. And there's this lure, this draw me into like my old way of life. And I found myself very quickly, you know, there was a lot of things that happened because there's the types of people I used to work with, one in particular, and just the type of environments I used to work in. And just very quickly, I was like, wow, you know, and I, and I found it's very consuming. 
And then all of a sudden, I re- I got this rebuke from Father, which was very much like, I didn't say you could go that way or you should go that way. And it wasn't to say I shouldn't. It's that he didn't say that I should. It's a big difference. So there's a couple of things in this, and this goes right to the core of Proverbs 14, 12, which is there is a way that seems right to a man. That way seemed right to me at the time, and it appears straight before him, and it did. But its end is the way of death. Because it's not the way of Father. It's not what he's guiding us to do. And it's difficult for us to have to to realize, I think, at times how much abiding is. It's everything. It's not one thing. It's everything. I do really think of the story of Joshua, and it comes up again and again, but it's such a powerful story after Jericho when the temple, one of his soldiers sacked the temple or raided the temple. And they were specifically told not to touch it. And so their next battle they lost. And and Joshua goes before father and he's like, what did we do? How did we, how did we lose your anointing, your blessing? And God says, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but God says, one of your folks there um, went into the temple and did exactly what I told you not to. So they set out an investigation and they find the guy. And this is the part of the abiding part I find so amazing right here, which is, God tells Joshua what he has to do to restore the, the blessing on their campaigns that they're doing, the war campaigns. And what we end up with is a, is a command to burn all of the family's things and to stone them. Now, what follows is Joshua trying to convince this soldier to confess and to tell his truth before the Lord. But this is the abiding part. Even in doing that, the punishment doesn't change. So think about yourself in that situation where the God has said, this is what you have to do. And you're looking at a soldier and you're trying to get him to repent. But even, even if he does, you still know that the punishment is going to be to burn all their things and to stone the entire family to death. That's abiding at an extreme, but it's abiding in the true sense because it's what the Lord has said. And that I can't imagine that was an easy moment for Joshua. But it gives us a deep glimpse in it. He could have easily said, well, okay, God said this, but this isn't what we need to do. We need to come you repent, and then we'll have you take the things back, and then we'll call it on a day, and we'll get you back on the line. And that would have been a very easy way out of it. But that's not at all what happened. And instead, the family was stoned, basically eradicated the gene line, sort of the bloodline completely. But this ties us into literally Revelation 3.16, which I find interesting. And what's said here is, so because you are lukewarm, in this is AMP, and they put in parentheses, spiritually useless, and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth, rejecting you with disgust. We live in this compromise world, and we are trying to always find a way where we don't have to face the, the accountability or having to 
execute out the rules which would be put upon us as being abiding in God. And so here we are in this moment in Revelation, which we are reminded that if you're going to be spiritually lukewarm, you're useless. That's, I don't know how many times you hear that in church, because I guarantee it's not told much, if, it's, if at all, that you have to be committed and decided. And with that is the understanding that we say abide in him. There is a definitive way of walking, and we have to make hard decisions. One of those things that happens when you get into a, what I'll call a spiritual ambush, which is effectively what happened to me over the weekend, and you, you're following what you think, and it's again, it's back to Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way which seems right to a man and appears straight before him. That's exactly what I did. I did not seek God's counsel first. I stepped into a lane. And it's not that I couldn't get out of it, but once you step in there and that ambush happens on a spiritual level, things can get really tangled in very quickly. You can feel it. And then what you have is another problem because you can't just fix something like that with a machete. You'd like to just cut everything away and say, ah, I'm done. But you've stepped into something that needs to be disentangled, de-threaded, because you're still, you're having to walk in a place... It's not like it's violently evil. That's another thing where you're taking on rebuking demons and putting up, you know, hedges of protection and so forth. We're not doing that. We're getting into the focus here of trying to untangle things because we're trying to ultimately keep a flow with a, a balance of peace would be the right way of saying it. So... We have to find a way through this and yet be true to the fact that you can't be spiritually useless or lukewarm. Lukewarm is so, we see it everywhere. Lukewarm is, okay, well, we'll just get along. Uh, we'll disagree to get, we'll agree to get, disagree. That's Stephen R. Covey's stuff. We'll agree to disagree and we'll just get along and we'll work together and we'll just agree we don't get along with these, the, agree with this, but we'll get along. We all have to get along. We all have to build things together and, and respect one another's differences, and we all need to get along. That, that's not a Christian value like that, the way it's framed. We can rest- and, I, and I say this very carefully because what happens when we get into those places is it becomes the translation of peace at any cost. And unfortunately, in our, this nation in particular right now, there's so much division going on here that is rooted at peace at any cost. Where does that line stop? And when I read Revelation 3.16, that's a lot of what I'm seeing and what I hear is I hear this, where does that line stop of one who is lukewarm? Because you become spiritually useless. You're not able to draw hard lines. Look at our churches that are accepting the LGBTQ flag in their front yard and embracing it. There's even a pastor, whatever her name, a her, the other day in a church that stated that abortion was okay. The church has been infected to a large degree to this concept of being lukewarm. It took a mighty person to stand up to the state and say, you're not going to close my church. We're going to keep our doors open. We're not going to wear masks. We're not going to be submitted or beaten down to submit to your fear porn of the vax. That takes strength. And that's 
a lot of what we're talking about. It's not just strength. It takes spiritual foundations. It takes spiritual strength to step into that. And that means to abide in him. We didn't talk much about abiding in him during the COVID crisis, and yet that's exactly where we were. We were talking about, you know, churches that said things like Jesus would have taken the shot. That's not only blasphemous, they were distorting the concept of abiding in God to their benefit of submitting to a pharmaceutical agenda. I don't know how bad that is in heaven, but it sounds pretty bad, like that's probably going to end you up on a weenie roast, but you're going to be the weenie being roasted over the fire. I mean, that sort of thing, right? And this is where we have to be really, really clear in our faith. Right now is a time to be clear. And here's the the thing. We can be clear and firm. We don't have to be hostile. We just have to draw a line. And and that doesn't mean necessarily, especially in abiding, like we say this, you don't have to proselytize. Matter of fact, you can just be firm to who you are. And I think this is the hardest part. So let me let me just walk through this a little bit. And this isn't a rebuke or a, or a criticism, but I want to kind of show you two ways of abiding. And I think it's important to understand. And I, and I find that the second one is the hardest one. The first one is, I'm sorry, I can't do that. God, I, I follow my Lord and Savior. That's not going to happen. And the Bible tells me I can't. These sorts of things. Or, no, I'm sorry, you know, that's against my faith. As if it is an option for everybody, if you see what I'm saying. And it's a, it's a reflection out. There's something else that's holding you back. Well, the unspoken in those examples is, I'm abiding, but I'm abiding to, I'm abiding to this because... I've been told, I've been directed, I'm not using my free will. I'm abiding because there's rules in place that say I can't, which suggests that if the rules weren't in place, you probably would. That's the problem with that example. When you abide in the Father, you're just being you. So you step into a circle of people, And you're going to give an opinion. And you know that your opinion is not going to be liked by everybody. It may not be liked by anybody. But what you do know you're standing on is truth. I don't need to profess in those moments like that. When In this example I'm giving you and abiding, I don't need to profess Jesus. I will speak truth like Jesus and with Jesus and they'll know it. And there won't be a discussion about it. And they'll understand very quickly that this is a person who has a very hard line. They are not lukewarm. They are solid, hot in their faith, in what they believe in life. They don't even have to know. that They'll know in the end, trust me. But they don't have to know because I I don't have to wear it on my sleeve to go, I'm a Christian. They're just going to know by my firmness. This is what we've lost in our culture. And here's the most stunning example of where our faith is. I mentioned this the other night. It doesn't make people happy when I do. And folks that get offended by this, all I'm going to tell you is suck it up and let's change it. Because when I look at what's happening with the Muslim culture standing up against transgenderism and this gay crap that's in schools, 
they're standing firm on their faith. They're not wavering. And the children are standing firm on their faith. I think it was Dearborn I told you about. I think it's Dearborn in Michigan when they banned the LGBTQ flag, which in itself is stunning because it it's stood. They haven't challenged it. The Muslims banned it because they control the city council. And it hasn't been legally overturned, which tells you everybody can do it. But they're doing it on a firm position that, and this is what they say, their God tells them that a man and a woman are the only ones that can be married. Anybody else goes straight to hell, and they don't, they're not going to have that in their community. Unfortunately, that has not happened. That same firmness has not happened in any of the Christian communities that I've heard of. And this is an example of abiding. They know what's right and wrong. They're just doing it. We're not trying to have peace at any cost. And to be clear, because this always ends up happening, someone will say like, oh, you're, you're in favor of Islam. Look, I'm not making any judgment about religions right now. I'm talking about people who are abiding. And they're holding a hard line. If we're abiding in the Lord and we're stepping into our communities, there's no discussion about, there's no whining or discussing about the things of like transgender story hour and pedophile lap dances and whatever else they're doing. There is a right and there is a wrong. And if we're abiding in the Lord, we're not there to compromise. We're not being lukewarm. We're being clear. That's it. So when I see these school boards where you have somebody who's really strong standing up before them and speaking boldly, and I see a whole bunch of men sitting in the back kind of like shuffling their feet and wandering around not doing anything, and it's usually a woman that's speaking, I would say she's abiding and they're finding a weak way out. Abiding is a hard line to walk. Because we have to be firm in everything we do. And the only way that's going to work is if we're in alignment with Father. It means he is, he is guiding each of our steps and each of our breath. And that's an easy thing to say. It's a hard thing to execute. I had that experience today because I this experience I had leading into some other folks that I, I mean, this whole thing, I'm being a little bit careful because I'm not calling out specifically what it is for reasons, but. Over the weekend, I had this opportunity to step into a world I haven't been in for a while. Today, I had that opportunity to speak into that group. And there is a side where you know exactly what they want to hear. And you know what will make things just perfect. At least in my case, I do know exactly what things would be made just perfect to get that second and third and fourth invite to be into that inner circle. And that's where I told God, I said, just take the wheel and guide me because we're not playing this game. I may have made the mess, but you're, I need your guidance to get out of it. And I did make the mess because I didn't, I was back to Psalm 14 or Proverbs 14, 12. There was a way which seemed right to a man. We will we'll rephrase this. There was a way that seemed right to Scott and it appeared before him in a straight path. <laughs> But it suddenly occurred to him afterwards when God told him, I did not tell you to go, that that was probably an end in its way of death. So that's kind of how I would rewrite Proverbs 14, 12. So how do we get out of it? Well, it's easy. 
We turn to our Father and we, we repent, number one. Father, sorry. Knew I should have done better, didn't do it, and I've got to fix it because I made the mess. However, Father, as I made the mess, I need to fix it. I can't fix it without you. So, Father, if you will guide me and I will abide in you no matter where you want me to go, I shall do as you say and it will be fixed. The first instinctive reaction when we get our hand caught in the cookie jar is never to have a cookie again. And in the case like this, the first instinctive reaction is say, okay, I made a mess. I got to get away from it. That's not how we fix the mess. We get into it and resolve it. And so today was one of those days where I went along with what doors it opened. I was, I stepped into the invite. I spoke to the group. And I talked about things that I guarantee you there was some squirming on. But that's okay. Because what I left with was an understanding of what Father had done. Yes, I had stepped into a place he had told me, he had not told me to go. But when I left, he left, he guided me into a place where we spoke truth that was undeniable. And while it may not have been comfortable, it wasn't hateful. It was speaking from a loving heart, but it was honest. And honesty was ultimately the root to love. And love is not always easy, but it's love nonetheless. And that's how that ended. And it did something else. It didn't close a door. They may have me back or not. It's okay. But it didn't close a door. In fact, what it did is it established an understanding of where I stood in my greater commission, which was to the Lord, and to truth. And that in itself has its own impact. You know, in the previous show, I said something at the end that I want to highlight because there's a lot to it I'm getting at here. We're living in a lot of these political divisions, and we try to identify those as being hot or cold. And we try to, we look at those that are not politically committed as lukewarm, except we're missing something. They're not of God, and we're not abiding in God when we are in these political rifts. And my comment the last hour near the end of the show was that I would truly love to see a race between President Trump and Robert Kennedy Jr. And I'm not even making a decision which one would win. That isn't my point. There's a reason I would love to see it and why I will fight for each one to see that happen. Because it's about truths. It's about people having debates that would elevate up truths. Undeniable. And it would do something else. It would dissolve the political uniparty in one singular singular blow. Because people could truly see differences and commonalities in political candidates and step away from the political rifts. They're both people that are heavily invested in the destruction that this deep state has done. 
and neither one of them are lukewarm. Every other candidate out there is pathetically lukewarm and politically energized. And so that's an area where, you know, I think if we as well, I would encourage you to pray on it, that hope each one would come emboldened in this in the Holy Spirit, not just coming there as a politician. But I do mean that. It's we need to start looking at this in in the terms of our commitment, because I've worked this space before. That's another thing that's interesting is a lot of this last weekend is brought up when we did the Kilroy Rising Tour, which was to a road trip. And that was in October of 2016, rallying votes for President Trump. But we weren't really focused on President Trump. Our big theme was what are you doing the day after the election? And the big part about that is we weren't we had chosen to support President Trump not because he was pristine and perfect, but because the alternative was literally the witch that was going to take us right to hell. And unfortunately, so much of the the shock of that loss in the liberal class led so many because it was an idolization of a woman. And so that was what they were seeing is this was their first opportunity to see equality and seeing a woman step into office and all this nonsense. And they missed what was right before them, the truth of what stood behind that empire that she represented, the Clinton empire, which at its core is child sex trafficking. And where that starts from, if they're going to follow that trail, is Haiti. But that temple collapsed with the, with the win of President Trump. And as it collapsed, their idol framework collapsed and they were left empty without a God because they don't worship God to the most part. And so the reason I bring back that trip in 2016 was an instance, and I've shared this before, but it's worth repeating tonight, that we had in Ohio, Lima, Ohio. And we had a rally scheduled and it got rained out. So I arranged to have a room the Marriott, a conference room at the Marriott, and we used that, and we ended up with a much smaller group, much smaller. We probably had, instead of a couple hundred people, we ended up with about 20 people. And they were all seated in the in the room, and I we were giving our presentation, giving our talk, and as I walked up to the front of the room, I realized that something was very wrong, and I couldn't put my finger on it yet, but it happened very quickly. And what I suddenly realized is, as there was a couple responses, is that 10 or 15 people on my right side were hardcore Democrats that hated, more or less, President Trump. The hate hadn't quite seeped in yet, but it was getting close. And on my left side, and I'm not exaggerating, you can't make this stuff up, was one of the local militias, all dressed in their militia garb, along with the sprinklings of some other conservatives. And we had Vice News there too, by the way, filming. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be an interesting one. Fortunately, I was with a really good buddy of mine, special forces guy that I'd done some work with. And this goes right to 
the concept of engagement. But more importantly, it goes to a deeper motive to abide. And what was the directive that we were getting to abide in? To bridge peace, to make peace, to allow these two people, these two groups, to find common space between themselves. That was a pretty rough walk that night. I had ugly things thrown at me from, unfortunately, it was all the liberals just throwing garbage at me. And in particular, it was a veteran, a Korean War veteran that sat right in front of me and just like, I mean, he was just vile. And then we had the one great moment, (laughs) which happened to come from our conservative side, when the woman says, and this is a quote, they bring in those Mexican laborers from down south, they get out there and pick our lettuce, then they don't wash it, we take it home and we get sick with all that stuff that's on their hands. Let me tell you, that that's not a uh, that's not a peacemaking statement when you're in that type of environment. And so we've got literally the statement it's the retarded statement of the night, let's be clear. Okay? And I have some really smart people on the other side of the aisle here that are just like, and one woman gets up, she says, I'm done. Now, my buddy, Special Forces buddy, he and I have done this before. He's good. We have a, I mean, it's just, I can't, it's not like it's a routine, but you know where to trust each other. That's that sort of brotherhood you have. And I watched him and he slipped right over there and he put his hand on her shoulder and he whispered in her ear. She says, ma'am, I'm a Special Forces veteran. Can you please stay and trust me and listen and I'll sit with you? Now, now this Mark is, is my buddy. He's a, an amazing Christian too. I, I love the man. And she listened. And so I went through a process of like, it would be, I, the way I describe it, it'd be like shucking corn. I literally started peeling off all these layers of the political stupid antics that we were arguing about. And we got down to some common issues. Do you believe in a nation? And they said, yes. Okay. Can we agree that if you don't have a border at all, that we don't have a nation? And everybody said, yes. Okay. (laughs) It's like one for the home team. We're getting somewhere. Do we agree that babies and children are precious? Yes. There was nurses in the room. And so when we water out this whole thing of like abortion issue, that was another one. It was a hot button. Because I'm, let me tell you, militias are over here going, ah, they're freaking out. And the nurses are going, rah. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so you water everybody down and you're like, do you, do you believe that children are precious? Yes. Okay. Over on this, and you have to, these people over here, do you understand, absolutely don't ever want to see life sacrificed. And they'll be like, and then this is what it is, because it's a projection, and you hear the liberal side. Yes, but what happens if a girl is raped? It's like, okay, stop. Okay, wait. Can we all come to agreement here 
that children are precious and that just do we agree that that and that an abortion is a really drastic, drastic step? And everybody agrees. Now, the reason I say all this is because what we were doing is, one, abiding in what the Lord said. And in the process of abiding, it was like at certain points it felt like I was getting wailed on by a baseball bat. It wasn't an easy walk. But it also wasn't a walk that I had to start throwing in their faces like, you're going to hell, which is exactly, <laughs> that was said, I think, by somebody on the malicious side. You're going to hell. I'm like, oh boy, this, is, this isn't going to sell well here today. But here's the miracle of what happened, and I'm serious. And remember, I told you, Vice News was there. This is no kidding, okay? One of the reporters, Josh, something or other, was, at the time, I really had a lot of respect for him, too. I don't know what's become of him, but he was a good reporter. This is when Vice was, before Vice went completely woke crazy. And they're filming away. And we bring it to the point where suddenly they stopped seeing each other as political parties and they saw each other as Americans. And this took us like almost two hours of this. And just so I'm clear, if you haven't sat in front of a group that wants to ax you, including your home team over here, that's conservatives, but because you're giving a little bit over here to the other side, which they think is the Satan's in our incarnation of Satan, and then suddenly they're turning on you like, you gave, and it's like, stop. Man, did you like read the Bible or something? Like, because you missed something. It's called Jesus. You never paid attention to him? But when we finally got things to the common court, we found out that everybody went to church. Everybody had common values that were the same. They believed in the nation. They wanted the best for the country. They believed in kids. They were, one side is absolutely like as an abortion. No abortions ever at all. Ah, da, 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 da. Okay. The other side is, I have seen these young kids come into the world in a mother that's been raped. What do we do with that? And she doesn't want the child. What do we do with that? So I'm not justifying. I'm telling you, this is how we got down to the core of things. And when we were able to shred away all this ridiculousness of politics and get to the real issues, we could have made policy for a nation that 90% of people would have agreed upon because we were talking to each other as Americans, as God's children. And it's, it's one of the highlights in the, probably my career of doing engagement work because once that finished and we closed with a prayer, both sides got up and walked across the aisle and hugged each other and shook each other's hands. And I literally had Vice News walk up to me and go, what just happened? And I'm like, that's called, that's called peace. And you're like, we've never seen anything like this. I'm like, I know you haven't because you always talk to these retards that want to inflame the sides and make people hate each other. And so to carry on with this, the next morning, after it was all over, and Vice didn't know what to do with it, and we met Vice in the, kind of the final hot wash of the whole time of recording, and 
just so happens that whole group of people that was there the night before, which we will call loosely those of the more liberal orientation, they came down into the lobby and saw myself and Mark and with Vice as our witness, this is why I say this, because Vice's mind was like still melting when they got through with this one. And they came up and they just said, we can't thank you enough for last night. We've never experienced anything like this. We've never experienced seeing our nation as one. See, when we abide, God takes us wild places. And it throws us way out of our comfort zone sometimes. And sometimes we're going to get wailed on like I did with a stick. Have you ever been around somebody who's flailing with a stick? It's not fun because you're like getting smacked. But when you're abiding in him, he's going to take care of you. He's going to guide your words. I, to this day, can't remember all the things I said, but I will tell you they were of the Holy Spirit. And I even remember at one point, and, and I, I just, I, can, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I can remember the moment that this Korean veteran snarked out something at me that was just vicious. And I mean, the Holy Spirit took over and the retort to him was something in terms of, you're a veteran, you're speaking to an other veteran, you're acting as if your country is in the middle of war in the same way you fought in Korea and you're causing half the problem. Start being the veteran you are and lead instead of being a divisive agent. And it's like the scales flew from his eyes. And it was something to that effect. I'm kind of paraphrasing. And even myself, I remember thinking like, oh, man, where'd those words come from? Well, we know where they come from. They come from the Holy Spirit stepping in because you're abiding. What we proved in that moment, and just so I, I say it, Vice News ran that piece. And here's the most amazing thing. This was a piece that was ultimately, it was uniting, but it was in its bent, it was pro-Trump. And there was some goofy stuff that we had on, this, on that tour, trust me. And we, but we were able to laugh, and they, were, they put some stuff in which I think they thought was going to insult us. And that's just the way they do it. And we ended up laughing with them and like, this is awesome. I'm so glad you put it in. And they were like, really? We thought you wouldn't like it. I'm like, this, and we, we love this piece. We celebrated it, thought it was the greatest piece ever, and it was. And you know when they put, played it? Election Eve, the, they did a whole sequence that year of the election process leading up to the election, okay? We had worked with Vice with the same respect we worked with everybody else. Vice News put that piece in that was ultimately about uniting the country and It was centered around Trump. They put it in as the last slot of a month or two-long series about the elections, and we were the last piece to show before the elections the next day. That's God working right there, let me tell you, because that whole message is about unity. As we abide in him, he takes us places we do not expect, and we are put in places that we aren't always comfortable But these are the words we have to remember. Proverbs 24, 6. For by wise guidance, you can wage your war. And in an abundance of wise counselors, there is victory and safety. We had a great team. It was just three of us on that team. But we were a great team. 
We knew each other's strengths and weaknesses. We spent basically a whole month together every step of the way. We prayed, we focused, we abided in God. Some days were tougher than others. But what we had was we had each other's back. We had wise counsel between us. And there were others that were contributing to our counsel as well. And we listened. And it's just an amazing thing that when we do that and we remember truly that there is a way which seems right to a man and appears straight before him, but, in its, but its end is the way of death. When we remember that, that's Proverbs 14, 12 again. And instead we turn to the Lord and we let him guide our steps. I'm telling you, there is nothing we can't accomplish. He's not going to limit where you go. The Lord didn't rebuke me and tell me I couldn't do, step into where I stepped into today. What he reminded me of was that you went there without checking with me. I didn't give you permission. And when I repented and said, Lord, now what do you want me to do? The answer was, proceed, but I will lead. And I'm like, all about it, man. You lead, I'm following. We're going to have a good time. And we did. And what comes out of it was for myself, because this is me. When I step out of line with the Lord, I carry that weight heavily. I feel that I've done something. I can repent. I can do that. But I don't get over it quickly. Because I expect myself to be better. And I always hear people say, well, you always make mistakes. I don't care. When I'm walking with the Lord and he's giving me a commission and I've got a path and I understand it, I and that's, to me, you have to understand this. That's like being in special operations again. You don't make mistakes. Sorry, it sounds like it's impossible. You just don't. And if you do, you're going to expect to see a repercussion from it. And you don't make mistakes not because you're afraid. You don't make mistakes because... Your mission is that important. And someone will say, well, that's not possible. Well, there's a, a concept in mistakes that we may not do things exactly right, but the question is, are you going to complete the mission? And did you adapt to the situation to overcome to complete the mission? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. When I've stepped out of line and like with that rebuke of the Lord, it's just a good reminder to me. And it's, I take it weighty because I love our father. There's no greater path to walk than with him. It hurts me deeply if I've made a mistake and he's had to remind me. But I will be before him in the throne on my knees asking for forgiveness. And to the point where he'll be like, I got it. You know, and I'll be like, Lord, but you've got to hear me. This is weighty. And that's where you hear this thing. It's like, get up, walk, and be healed. It's like, Roger that. I think I remember that, Lord. Wasn't that Matthew 8? <laughs> get up, walk, and be healed. And that's literally what happened today. So you got a whole story of a framing of something that is relative to how today was. In walking into a place that I really didn't, in the end, should not have just volunteered to go. But the Lord said, go anyway, but trust in me. And we leave with the truth spoken and big impact made. 
important words spoken because God led that. The power of abiding. A great word. Should have it on our, we should have it on a t-shirt. Abide in me. All right, patriots, let's pray. Father, we are just so blessed. And truly, Father, tonight I'm just humbled by this beautiful fellowship that we have. And I'm, I'm just going to begin with a prayer of thanks tonight. You have given us something here that is so unbelievably unique. In a, in a digital space, we have found a place to ignite love, to ignite humility and respect, and to share that whole principle of abiding in you. Thank you, Father. And for the walks that you give us that demand that we abide, may we all seek that path always, not just in the moment, but continually. To find the incredible glory and joy in just being in alignment with you, walking with you as you direct us in every step. For the moments that we fall, and we will, and we will repent. But there's just one request, Father. Remind us to get up, to walk, and to be healed. So, tonight, for any mistakes that we have made, we come before this throne, humbly on our knees. We ask for your forgiveness. As your children, we put ourselves before your feet and we ask, Father, for our, your forgiveness, to repent for those times that we have deviated. And as we say these words, Father, we now stand and we walk and we declare with your blessing, we shall be healed. Guide us, Father, in this amazing time. And so, Father, one last request tonight, one last prayer. And it's a different prayer, but it's from somebody who's never asked for prayer from us. And so, well, we're asking for prayer tonight. It's a prayer for Shemaine and Ted Nugent. Their 11-year-old lab, his name is Happy, has fluid in his lungs and abdomen, and the doctors don't seem to know why. It's possibly a pulmonary issue, and there's been no good prognosis on this animal. This is Shemaine and Ted's best friend, a precious animal in their life. And so we're asking something tonight, Father, with the, with the authorities given to us, we're asking for miracle healing to reach across now to heal one of your creatures on this earth is bringing such love to two wonderful people. And so we declare healing. We declare miraculous healing. And we do so with the authorities given to us by our Savior, Jesus. Thank you, Father. 
And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Well, patriots, I'd say it's a pretty good day, and I hope you all had the same. Abide in him. Make those words part of your life walk. Seek, and you shall find. Abide, and you shall live in a way greater than ever imagined. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe.